It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from the Block M Podcast Network, part of the Fan First Sports Network, a podcast that has a bronze statue built in its honor. It's somewhere in Muskegon. Go check it out. I am Jared Stormer of mazenbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazenbrew.com. Andy, you bare-knuckle jibbo boxer. How the hell are you, sir? I'm good, man. Happy to be back with you. Let's pod number two. Excited to do this. We are right in the thick of it, man. It is a, such a shame that eventually college football must end. The season is way, way too short compared to like how long basketball is. I know. Like feel like basketball has already been going on for months. I'm talking NBA basketball and we're like 10 games in. 
we're an eighth of the way through the season and, and yet we have to say goodbye to college football here soon. I hate it. It feels like, I mean, like it was just today that you're like, this is my favorite time of the year. And that was like a month ago now, where it's like, we're in the peak of October and now Michigan finally has a big game. And it's like, Oh, Ohio state's in like 10 days, but it's also like Ohio state's in 10 days. And then it's like, for the postseason, it's like I know it's exciting, but also sad because the end's in sight. Yeah, I don't know how we did this when we weren't making the Big Ten championship game and we had that extra game to look forward to. Like without that, if I were just like a six-win team, like imagine being Michigan State, you look forward to this whole year and it's like, well, hopefully next year we can make a bowl game. Like that is that's gotta suck. And now we're the current Michigan State's currently the only team that's below five hundred in football and basketball in the Big Ten. <laughs> uh look i mean sucks to suck that's all i've got to say about that subject right there but uh maybe maybe deserve it maybe deserve it maybe look inward michigan state as we look outward at the world of college football and sports world at large let's get into some quick hits sir starting here let's go let's go into baltimore here where michigan will be traveling into maryland uh, the Baltimore Ravens head coach, John Harbaugh, says investigators have already searched Jim Harbaugh's computers and phone and found nothing com- connected to the fries and spies schemes. So pretty interesting. I don't think we had heard that anywhere else that there had been an investigation and they had actually searched through his personal phone, his personal computer. So a bit of a development that John Harbaugh just casually threw out in an interview last night. Yeah, so when investigators came to Michigan, the NCAA investigators came to Michigan, it was rumored that they confiscated some things or just, I don't know if confiscated is the right word, but they took some laptops, tablets, phones, things like that, you know, to investigate. And getting this report from John Harbaugh is certainly encouraging, especially if they could even present some of this at Harbaugh's hearing tomorrow. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, but this is what we expected. This is what we've been preaching the whole time, that it was just this rogue employee doing so much stuff on his own like it wasn't like this mastermind spy and again it was funny with penn state talking about uh yeah we we had we changed some signs we have like 700 it's kind of tough it's like do you think connor stallions and a bro with an iphone were breaking down 700 signs and going through dummy signals and what was actually going on like come on give me a break Get out of here with that nonsense. Yeah, they did not find anything related to the alleged sign stealing scandal on his equipment. But my guess is they did find some interesting bookmarks. Now, do you think he has what <laughs> the low he has the Lowe's homepage, maybe like a, a diagram to a snowblower that he needed to fix something like that. Uh, John Deere probably on there. Uh, the lyrics to the Edmund Fitzgerald, a link to that. What else is in Jim Harbaugh's bookmarks? A hundred percent Excel spreadsheets because he told the uh, pardon my take guys a few years ago that he writes everything in Excel because he likes how he can organize it and wrap text and do different stuff. So I'm sure there's some really good like Excel spreadsheets with like uh, meat recipes, you know, breaking down power, like family Christmas ideas. Like I'm sure it's glorious to behold. The proper way to deglaze your chili meat, something like that. Also, like his his anniversary letter to his wife, all done in Excel. <laughs> exactly, just right next to play diagrams. They're going through it. Like, what is this? Like the inner like inner workings of Harbaugh's mind, just like on a spreadsheet. 
I would pay good money to see what was uncovered on Jim Harbaugh's computer, but there was nothing related to the sign-stealing scandal, so we will see. This Friday, as we have mentioned before, they will have their day in court. I'm Look, at this point, I'm kind of just expecting Michigan to not have Jim Harbaugh moving forward because nothing has gone according to what would make sense and what would uh, resemble justice. So that's what I'm prepared for. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. That's about all we can do. Next time we speak on this podcast, we'll we'll know because a game will have happened. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm kind of in the same boat you are, just like anticipating he won't be there. And it's at least nice that the team has a week to prepare for this now, like to get ready and not just like an hour and a half before the game be like, all right, Sharon, you're up. And it's also like I was thinking this uh, regarding like Sharon's uh, emotional uh, post-game interview. Imagine how much pressure was on the assistant coaches to be like, the only reason you were good with stealing signs. If you lose like the, the shit storm that would have come onto Michigan, like can't win without Harbaugh, can't win without signs, this and that, and like all of that coming together. So it was such a good chance for the assistant coaches to prove themselves, but I digress. They have this time to prepare. And I think that's everything, even if it's an opponent like Maryland, just getting some of the more minute details ironed out, like procedurally game management and stuff like that. I'm with you, man. That's why I kind of said half jokingly on last the last pod where I was like, did Sharon Moore run the ball 32 times straight? Like because it was the right thing to do schematically or did he do it as like a giant F you? The signs don't matter. We're going to win no matter what. Here's our playbook. It's run. So it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't really know what was going on with that decision, but it was beautiful to behold nonetheless. Yep. And agree with you that there's nothing we can do now but prepare for the worst. And hope for the best. We've got Maryland this week, luckily, not Penn State. And uh, Maryland got absolutely waxed by Penn State. Transitive property doesn't exist, but at least you have somewhat of an idea of the kind of opponent we're downgrading to this week. We will talk about Maryland later in this pod. Let's keep it going, sir. Uh, quick hit I wanted to touch on football guy, Dan Villari, 154 yards on the ground for Syracuse, program record for rushings by a, rushing yards by a tight end. Uh, Michigan apparently let one get away with Dan Villari, a guy that we saw sneak, you know, little sneak previews of, little Hints, little tidbits here and there, but never got to see the full package. Uh, killing it for Syracuse right now. Seems like your type of player. I like Dan Valari. I won't say we let one get away because Syracuse is 11th in the ACC. So it's <laughs> like, there's a reason he's getting this opportunity and these touches. But no, man, it's good to see he was a, a serviceable backup quarterback. You know, I mean, no hate to throw his way. Glad to see he's having some success all by on a terrible, terrible team. Just seems like something that Harbaugh would have capitalized on the move from quarterback to tight end and then using that converted tight end as like a running back, essentially. Like, I just like the schematics oh, yeah. of that. It's like it's like if you play tight end at Michigan, though, you already see the problem. Right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, he's, he's not going to make it to tight end. Tight end number three at Michigan. Max Bredesen clears him. But very exciting for Dan Villari. Um, all right, here's one for you. Quick hit. Uh, don't really want to dwell on this too much because I'm not sure that it means anything, nor do I think it's going to last. But the leaders in points off the bench currently in NBA, and props to Matt Hartwell for finding this, Tim Hardaway, at number one at 17.6. Number two, Karis LeVert. 17 and a half. Um, we were talking about the NBA players to keep an eye on this season. I didn't even mention Karis LeVert as a Michigan player in the NBA. I kind of thought his time was done, but good for him finding a role with the Cavs and really filling it out well. And, and Tim Hardaway Jr. Just like, I, 
I would think maybe a last gasp, but these guys have found roles as bench scorers that maybe that's where they belong. You know, I'm a huge Luka Doncic fan, so I've been able to watch a few Mavs games this year, and I I love the role he's kind of carved out here. I like him coming off the bench. It's kind of like an energetic boost at times because we've always known Hardaway could fill it up. It was just kind of trying to find some consistency, and he seems to like, although the minutes have like regressed for him from what he's used to, like he's really thriving in this position, like kind of a leader off the bench. He's a savvy vet at this point in his career. I love to see it, man. I never thought he was going to have, you know, more than like, five or six years in the NBA, but he just continually defines a role, stick around, got a big payday already. So he's not as worried about that. So I've really enjoyed watching him with the Mavs. Yeah, it's a great, great fit for him. And playing with Luka Doncic, like sometimes I think, man, is that very fun? But if you are just content with taking catch and shoot threes and and cutting to the basket, like he's going to find you. And I would think that it could really help your career and help to extend his career in this case for Tim Hardaway Jr. So good for those guys. Franz Wagner still the best of the bunch. But, uh, you know, I I like to see that. And uh, number one and number two, both going to the University of Michigan. So that's pretty neat. Let's stick with basketball. And maybe more than a quick hit here because the Michigan Wolverines 3-0 in college basketball after an 89-73 win over the Rick Pitino coach, St. John's Red Storm. Did not know they were the Red Storm. That's a yeah, a weird name. Um, but nonetheless, uh, 3-0 moved up to number two in the Big Ten in the Ken Palm rankings behind only Purdue when they were picked what, like 11th in the Big Ten coming into this season. Um, So the tide has shifted dramatically. The opinions on this team, the level of excitement is is clearly coming up. Were you able to watch that game and what were your takeaways from this team? Yeah, I mean, you and I got off the pod earlier this week and were able to catch a little bit of the first half and all of the second half. And the point remains the same. This team is fun. They're energetic. They're up and down. They're athletic. They're versatile. Just completely different from last season, which is last season was one of the single worst Michigan basketball viewing experiences Mm -hmm. of the last 10 years. I mean, it was just awful to watch. It was clunky. It was slow. You go through eight, nine minute stretches, not scoring a basket, just the worst kind of basketball in a time when it's supposed to be spread out. Um, No, man, I've enjoyed it. The win, like 16 point win doesn't justify how dominant they were in this game. Like it was not close at all in the second half. They just kind of put their foot to the throat, finished the game off and got another nice non-conference win. And that was something that really eluded them last year. I mean, you think back to losing to central Michigan at home, like those days are long gone. This was basically a road game against Patino and say what you will about that guy. He can coach him up even in his first year. So a good solid win for a young team. Yeah, doesn't have healthy skin, Rick Patino. Definitely looks like some type of jellyfish lying dead, <laughs> dead on the beach. But who is um, wearing Rick Patino's skin? <laughs> but that creep can coach, man. And yeah, you're absolutely right that the score 89-73 doesn't properly represent just how dominant this was. Doug McDaniel leads all scores, was just a flamethrower. Also, uh six or seven assists, six rebounds, was perfect from the free throw line, two of six from three, but the three point shot looks good um 
I just looks like one of the better Michigan point guards. I'm extremely excited to see what he could be. And he's on the shorter side, but Michigan makes up for it with a lot of length everywhere else. Namari Burnett went off in the first half of this one, which you and I didn't get to see all of, but saw the highlights and being six, four at the two guard and, and being able to shoot. He was four of seven from three in this one. I just like what they've built. And as much as last year should have worked with the players that we had and, and the talent that we had there, it just didn't. And for some reason, this does. And I'm excited to see this iteration of Michigan basketball. The level of fun has just gone dramatically up. And uh, I mean, if we're able to do this against St. John's with Kamwa, who I still think is our best player. I think so, um, too. It, it, to with him not having a great game, like very encouraging, very encouraging. And I'm excited to see where this team goes. Yeah. I mean, we talk about uh, Doug McDaniel's development, but also uh, Terrence Williams looking, this is where he should have been last year. This is why we were so disappointed. Like the three point shot looks so much better. Just looked more consistent, more fluid, more fundamentally sound uh, team gets up and down the court. Anybody can be your best player on a given night. They, I feel like they can switch pretty comfortably two to five, even with McDaniel at the one, just, you love what they can bring to this team and you can just, you can see the potential. Like they're just growing, they're getting better and there's a ton of room to go. I can't wait to see what they do once they get into big 10 play. Absolutely, man. The, uh, the level of watchability through the roof. So if you haven't tuned in yet, I highly recommend that you do. They're having fun out there too. Uh, here's a, a quick little question for you. Something that you threw my way, uh, off air. Should Phil Martelli just be the coach? <laughs> I knew it was coming. Um, <laughs> it's, it's certainly, uh, seeming that way. So uh shout out our listener, Siobhan. She's an assistant coach, uh, up at Malone. And she was saying that Martelli, like, with in-game stuff is just kind of clears Jawan with certain things, certain aspects. But I mean, also I was talking last night that do have to give Jawan credit because this is his team and he made some necessary changes, like fundamentally schematically with the recruiting, with transfers, everything. So it's like, it's going to him, not definitely not going to write him off yet. want to see him get back with his team, but like, come on, Phil Martelli took St. Joe's to the elite eight and lost to an Eddie Sutton team. Like he was a elite head coach. He's a reason Jawan brought him in here to be his right-hand man to help carry out. So that shows a sense of security with Jawan that I like. So let's get him back in there, see if he can continue to grow as a head coach and reach like kind of where Martelli is with these years and years of experience. But like, it's something, it's something to monitor right now for sure. Just don't be afraid to lean on old Phil there. If the going gets tough, you know, you got him there and things look really good under Phil Martelli right now. So that's a resource. Let's utilize that. Phil is so funny in his post game. He was talking about certain things. He's, you can tell he's kind of like reading a box score and he's like, uh, yeah, uh, this, uh, this many turn. That's, that's unacceptable. I mean, that is just unacceptable. And it's just like, you can see the, the switch flipping him. Like he looks like this kind of like paternal grandfather on the team, but it's like, he's still got that dog in him. Don't be fooled. Oh, yeah, I would not want to fight Phil Martelli. Seems like a guy that would take his belt off to fight you. And it's like, uh oh, what are you doing with that? And then he just you starts whipping you. With you that. don't see Ryan Day calling him out. I mean, Phil Martelli's no. kind of like uh, Mike Ehrman Trout in Breaking Bad. It's just like he's a little bit on the older side, but you don't want a piece of him. You don't mess with that dangerous old man, Phil Martelli. Guy knows Italian food and college basketball, and that's it. That's all he cares about. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a little Maryland breakdown for you. We'll touch on the skins game and more back right for this. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, sir, let's keep bouncing around. Uh, Let's touch skins game here. You uh, coming back on me a little bit here. Obviously, I took the JJ over the Blake Corum. That wasn't going to pay out in the Penn State game. So uh, what does that put us now since the redraft? What are we at? I th- I think you're what we drive should be two seven. and two, right? I think we're two and two. Yeah, I think. Yeah, we're two and two. So uh, you've got the quorum touchdowns, which won it for you today. And you also had Will Johnson scoring some points for you. Rod Moore got me a point and Blake Corum rush yards got me two points. Uh, <laughs> not great. It's not, not a great showing for the boys on, on my end. It's I think you're going to have a chance to really come back this coming weekend because the way the receivers were underutilized in this Penn State game out yeah. of necessity, I think a big one could be coming back your way. But that said, I I would I guarantee there's also going to be a concerted effort to keep getting Blake Corum touchdowns as he approaches the A single season record and B the all-time Michigan rushing record. 6 away. 6 That's away. Crazy. I mean insane man we're watching history so been enjoying that nonetheless a uh, big fan of the skins game we're gonna keep doing it even if we don't spend a lot of time on it on the podcast just know that in the background we've got it going on maybe maybe we could also like you know once we get like into december and there's probably potentially a michigan football break there for a little bit we could come up with a skins game for basketball and hockey a little bit towards the end of the season Hello, you've piqued my interest. You uh, you had my curiosity. Now you have my interest. <laughs> yeah, we can like, find some value for like threes, percentages, or something like that. Just say, you know, a little fun side thing going on. Yeah, Yusuf Kayat's going to be my, uh, my my deep sleeper pick. Although, my God, I saw Yusuf Kayat handle the basketball. I might have to abandon the island. I might have to leave. <laughs> like, we, you and I were texting the other night. Like, we're still on Yusuf Kayat Island, you know. We talked about him a lot, but... We're definitely sending smoke signals to passerby. Oh, yeah. We're building rafts, you know, trying to rope some sea turtles. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, he seems a couple years away from being a year away. Not great, considering that this is still only year two, or is this year three for Kayat? I feel like he's been there for a while. It, 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 dude, you could honestly tell me a bunch of things with Yusuf Kayat, and I'd believe it. You could tell me he's 35 years old and also has like a job as a tax attorney, and I'd buy that. So it might be year two. It might be year three. Last year was aged me like five years in Michigan basketball years. Yeah, I saw him stocking the shelves at a Sam's Club. So, yeah, he definitely has a job uh, that's not in basketball. But, yeah, exactly. I'm with you. I was I was aged last season having to watch that. Uh, let's keep it moving, sir. Um Northwestern. I wanted to touch on this as we look around the Big Ten a little bit. David Braun, who did not know who that was coming into the season, had to like look him up to figure out who he was, is five and five. Northwestern was on death's doorstep. We had written them off. Uh, We had said that they were the worst team in the Big Ten after the scandal with Pat Fitzgerald and what happened there. Um, Yeah, a a much worse scandal than what happened at Michigan that just doesn't get discussed at all, by the way, but I digress. Um, Should David Braun be considered for coach of the year at five and five, this Northwestern team? A hundred percent. I think what he's doing has been outstanding, especially when you consider the talent factor at Northwestern or the talent void 
more uh, more accurately. So he came to Northwestern from North Dakota State, one of the FCS powerhouses. He'd been there for three years as their DC and safeties coach. And that's kind of what Northwestern had been lacking. So after 2020, Fitzgerald lost his longtime defensive coordinator, kind of lost that identity. And it looks like Braum was kind of bringing that back, like going to be the defensive coordinator here, help Fitzgerald regain their momentum in the West. But Braum didn't even need Fitzgerald to do that. I mean, this is outstanding what he's doing. I mean, you're tied for second in the Big Ten West. Granted, it is a dumpster fire. But if you can get this team to a bowl game in your first year as a head coach, something they haven't been to in a few years, like hadn't won a game on North American soil in two years, and now you're going to take him to a bowl, that's outstanding. I definitely think he deserves consideration. I would think so, too. And if he's deserving of consideration for coach of the year, I would have to imagine that the interim tag gets lifted and that is their next coach moving yes. forward. Would you would you agree? Yeah, I would imagine. So I don't know who you're going to go out and get at Northwestern. That's going to be some splashy hire. That's going to be better than what you've already homegrown here. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned this. You kind of laughed it off to me about Northwestern and, and it being not a great job. That stadium that they're building looks legit and it's in Chicago. Like it looks really nice. So I'm, I'm excited to see what this program could theoretically become. I am too. I, you know, Northwestern is a fantastic journalism school for just a fantastic university. And now the athletics are kind of catching up. So it's like they could, they could jump a few teams here. They have an opportunity to do so. Uh, let me read you David Braun's uh, opening two sentences on his Wikipedia page. Tell me this doesn't just sound made up from like a Mad Lib. Um, Braun is from Wales, Wisconsin, where he attended Kettle Moraine High School. Braun began his coaching career as a graduate assistant at Winona State University, his alma mater in 2008. I've never heard of any of those places. <laughs> Wales, Wisconsin? It was like, all right, noun. All right, Wales. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I did not know any of those were places. So props to David Broad. You want to talk about rising from obscurity? Wales, Wisconsin. It's got a population of under 2,000. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, you... sorry. 2,800. I stand corrected. <laughs> wow. The booming metropolis of Wales catches strays for no reason. We're going to find out. We have like 11 listeners from Wales. Be like, hey, hang on now. We actually have a great fudge shop in the center of town. You don't talk about what we can do during sockeye season, okay? We bring home the bacon, bring home the fish here. Wales, Wisconsin. All right. Well, that's enough time on Wales, Wisconsin. Uh, the Big Ten West is even more obscure and nonsensical than anything happening in David Braun's background. Northwestern still has a real shot at this. Um, they are in conference three and four. Um, I oh, actually, no, no, I think I was Iowa sealed it, didn't they? They can they can yeah. do no worse than tie. They can do no worse than tie. That's a shame. Man, I really thought this was going to come down to a battle of five and five teams uh, because there are, count it, one, two, three, four, five teams in the Big Ten West that are five and five. I mean, this is a statistically impressive case of mid. I mean, we've <laughs> never seen this much mid gathered together. It's insane, man. So uh, Iowa can do no less than tie at the top. Their last two games are home for Illinois at Nebraska. You figure they should win both, but also trying to predict what happens in the Big Ten West. And in, in, in the Mid Ten West is just an exercise in futility. If there's no sense in doing it because chaos is always on the horizon. Yeah, it, chaos is a ladder, but in this case, it's like a plateau. It's a you podium. can always climb down. <laughs> <You> can <laughs> 
you could kind of just stay where you're at or you could go down a step. That's about it. It is. I've never seen anything like the middle of the Big Ten West, which is most of the conference. There's just nobody that stands out other than Northwestern, who we talked about, because they shouldn't have been able to do what they were able to do. Uh, I guess Nebraska, good for them being at five and five and certainly a better year than they've had under Scott Frost, but also coming off a, uh, a pretty ugly loss to Maryland last week so uh one that we'll talk about here as we we switch our focus over into this maryland preview shortly but yeah it's just been extremely ugly there i mean disappointments definitely uh wisconsin and uh illinois as well as minnesota teams that we thought would be in competition here teams that we're a little bit higher on i think we knew minnesota would take a step back but wisconsin yeah. really a disappointment Wisconsin's the disappointment, probably just in in the whole conference, really. I would say they're right yeah. up there in that because everyone thought with Fickle coming in with the pieces he had returning, bringing in Tanner Mordecai, oh, they're going to do crazy things. And it's like, no, are they? They're just five and five. They played Ohio State pretty tough for a little bit, but they got bullied by Washington State, a team that everybody is now bullying. So that was alarming. So I, I'm, I'm with you in agreement. They're definitely the disappointment here. But Illinois, man, Brett Bielema really kind of turning the ship around because early in this season, it looked very grim for them. And you can, can still get Illinois to a bowl game in a down year. I think that speaks to the resurgence he's bought to that team and not just smoke meats. The man also knows ball. Man knows ribs. Uh, he knows oxtail. Uh, he, knows, he knows his way around a brisket. And he knows how to keep his team engaged and fighting, despite the fact that uh, it's not not been the season that they were hoping for in Illinois. But yeah, the Big Ten West, I, I just enjoy talking about its futility. Uh, let's look around college football at large really quick. You asked me this question, and I'm not sure we talked about it on the pod last week, but who should be the Heisman Trophy winner right now? It's, it's such a weird year. It's kind of like the RG3 year. It's kind of like, um, say like the Lamar Jackson type of season as well where it's like i think the best players not on one of the best teams i hate when the award cops out and just does that i think of the mark ingram 2009 year when i really think toby gerhardt had a better case it's i think it's Jaden daniels i think he's been the most outstanding player week in and week out and i was kind of skeptical of him coming into the season he was just really never my type of quarterback last year with his inconsistencies but he seems to have all those ironed out and man, he's electric to watch both running and as a passer brings so much to this offense, sprays the ball around the field. I think if he has a good showing in these final two weeks, I think he should be a lock to win it. That's my pick as well. If nothing else, he should definitely be there in New York. Um, yeah. Even if they do have a third loss, I, I, I just think that he's the best player that I've seen. He's the most electric and these player, these teams that are right up at the top, there's just nobody that's really standing out on them unless you want to go with Penix from Washington. But you and I were just alarmed by that Arizona state game and that yes. really put us off of them. And I, I think there's a loss coming for Washington here at some point. I was kind of hoping that uh, Utah was able to pull it last week in a really good game they were unable to get that one done but i'm with you that for now it is Jaden daniels um what else did you want to talk about from around college football um, i know alabama was a team that caught both of our eyes and, and seems to have turned a corner and it should be considered a contender you and i talked about this man saban hasn't won less than 11 games since 2010 like <laughs> there's a reason for that like he's going to get the most out of this i mean Early in the year, think of the South Florida game or the Texas loss. Like they just looked directionless. And 
Leave it to him to find out a way to get the ship going in the right direction. They're a threat to win 11, 12 games again, potentially even sneak in the playoff if they can win the SEC. Very impressed with what they're doing. But one thing I want to touch on here around college football is chaos on the horizon because I think this is our one of our last good weeks of potential upsets to like kind of upset the established order. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the one that you had pointed out was Oregon State, who finishes their schedule with just two really consequential games and in Corvallis, nonetheless. So Oregon State, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's Washington and then Oregon to finish it, correct? Yeah, it's, it's, Washington. it's Washington and Corvallis, and then it's at uh, at uh, Outson at Stadium. Or- yeah, at Outson. Yeah, so Oregon State's going to have a role to play here down the stretch. Uh, a really good Oregon State team that I, I kind of find myself believing in and now pulling for because I think we really want some chaos here towards the end. Um, Alabama and Georgia look to be on a collision course, so we're still going to have that game to look forward to. Yeah, man. I mean, it's got to happen like this week. I think that if we're going to see the chaos that we're hoping to see and see some things shake up because there's going to be some really good teams that are left out of this top four. Yeah, I mean, Iowa State welcomes Texas to Ames on the 12 year anniversary of uh, upsetting Oklahoma state at home. So that one, another game to watch Georgia goes uh, at Tennessee against a Tennessee team. I don't like, but Neyland stadium, it can be raucous. It can bring some upsets. It can do some things there. So maybe they could at least be challenged. I don't see any way they lose that game, but perhaps maybe a letdown performance following the old miss beat down. So another game to keep an eye on. And again, I think around the rest of college football, it's, it's trap game season. It's, Iowa 2016 season is is Michigan going to trip up for win 1000 at Maryland is Ohio state going to do something wacky and struggle against Minnesota. So I think that's another thing to keep an eye on, but like there is very big upset potential, but most of it's on the West coast. I'm with you, brother. Uh, Sticking around college football. Jimbo Fisher has been let go by Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher will be paid $26,300 per day over the next eight years to not be the coach at Texas A&M. That rules. Um, just a fascinating use of of funds. Well done by Texas A&M. How many libraries, how many scholarships could that pay for? It's it's egregious. But how I'm, weird I'm, I'm, is, uh, sorry to cut you off, how weird is it that he gets fired after a 51-10 to 10 victory over Mississippi State? He and Mississippi State's coach both got let go. I don't know if that's ever happened during the season before. The optics of it are strange. My, obviously, this was a decision that had already been made, and my guess is they wanted to get a jump start on the potential open head coaches that would be out there. But it is strange, no doubt about it. Um, Chip Kelly also let go from UCLA, or likely to be let go from UCLA, hasn't officially happened yet. It's weird. My question is: is this big picture with the Mel Tucker and Jimbo Fisher? I think disaster is a fair word as far as disastrous hiring coaches with the amount of money that was given, and then the turns do you think that that's enough to maybe cause a big picture shift in how we're paying coaches uh, I, I think that maybe we could see things calm down a little bit with how much we're paying coaches particularly unproven coaches Jim Harbaugh might still get 70 plus million and should get 70 yeah. plus million dollars because he's proven but I'm just wondering if if you're a little more cautious throwing out 90 80 90 million dollars to a coach based on limited successes I think and limited Jimbo yeah. Fisher did win a national championship, but yeah, just yeah. one, <laughs> just one. It's, it's, it's interesting, man. I, I wanted to say, yes, you're going to see it, 
But uh, one, with as crazy as inflation is, I think we're just going to see numbers keep getting kicked up there. And two, you just you it's hard to gauge what a university or what boosters with like deep pockets are going to do when they get just a whiff of success. Like, you know what that 2021 season meant to Michigan state? They're just like, Paul, oh, this is, it's going to happen forever. Or it's like Jimbo Fisher during the COVID year had some success. So they're all just like celebrating already. Like, Oh, we're going to do big things. Like keep it going. Like I, I want to say cooler heads will prevail, but once you get a little taste of success, I think you're more willing to just part with some dollars. I'm like, come on. Act like that money's hurting Texas A&M. Like that oil money is deep and never going to run out. And they just can't sit there and watch Texas have all this success while they just kind of toil around in mediocrity. Yeah, I'm sure they're doing just fine. They'll just probably take it out on a library or like an engineering building that won't get redone. Like you don't need a roof in order to teach <laughs> mathematics. There's nothing that says you need it. How much would you love to get fired? They're like, Jared, we're going to pay you $26,000 every day for the next seven years. You good with that? Yeah, I'd probably be fine with 26 G's a day. Just right now, kicked up, got drinks poolside and clearing 26 G's. My goodness. Like Andy, you want to well, pod today? I don't, I don't have much going on. Just got to count some money. That's about it. And I mean, props for him for not whacking it on computer screen and being able to pocket the rest <laughs> of the bag. So congrats. Congrats on keeping it in your pants. He gets, this, is why the, this is the money you get. Like That's all you have you to do. It. Just keep it in your pants. Earn this money. I do that every day on a Zoom call, and I'm not Where, making $26,000 a day. Where's my money? You know, I've been waiting for that. Been, no. <laughs> not tugging it on company time all my life. Like, come on now. <laughs> all right. Speaking of tugging it on company time, let's talk about Maryland. I don't really <laughs> – Michigan's got Maryland this week. They are coming off a 13 to 10 win and a real barn burner against Nebraska. Congrats on the Terps who are six and four this year. This was my team to, that I predicted. I thought that they would get to eight wins. Um, you called me out on that. I was wrong and I will not be coming to bat for Maryland. I will definitely never go to bat for a Josh Gaddis coached offense again. And they've got some serious issues. Um, not quite the team that they were that last year, but let's talk about this six and four Maryland team that we will be facing this weekend in Maryland. So Maryland last year was one of those like finally the culmination season where a lot of things came together and especially on the offensive line. And that's where they had a lot of success was running the football. They could just like do it, set up uh, to his brother and just open things up in the offense. I'm just going to call him that because it's essentially just more degrading. Like, oh, you're to his brother. Okay. Um, so they opened things up and they had a really good rushing attack last year with Roman Hemby and Antoine Littleton. And while both running backs are back, the offensive line is just kind of piecemealed together after losing several veterans, trying to figure things out. And that was never more evident than when they played Penn State. Against Penn State, Maryland had negative 49 yards rushing. <laughs> negative 49. Roman Hemby in that game rushed for, uh, carried the ball five times for no yards. Antoine Littleton carried it once for negative three. And they just completely abandoned it from that point. As we know, Josh Gaddis likes to do. He will get away from the run and just try to catch up through the air. So this team is just kind of falling apart inside out. And teams that can take advantage of them in the trenches like Michigan will just seem to overwhelm them throughout the game. So this team is still, despite not being as good on offense and losing all those offensive linemen, not really having a consistent rushing attack, they're fourth in scoring 
in the Big Ten right now. They're averaging 28.9 yards per game just behind Ohio State, uh, Penn State, and Michigan, obviously. So this is, I mean, this is still an offense that you look at and you're like, okay, they can do some stuff, but let's where were they really putting up all of those points? They beat Indiana 44-17. They hung 31 on Michigan State. They hung 42 on Virginia, but against a decent Nebraska defense, you only manage 13. You lose 51 to 15 to Penn State. You lose to Northwestern 33-27. That certainly raises some red flags in particular about their defense that a Northwestern team is able to to hang 33 on you. So they've gotten a little worse from since last year. Talia Tugavailoa has not taken a leap. Uh, I thought maybe that's where it would be coming from. I think he kind of just is what he is at this point. And I don't know how much of that is the Josh Gaddis move. I don't know how much of that stunted his development. Obviously, we are not Gaddis believers here on this podcast, but it didn't help. Let's just say that it definitely didn't help the situation. So I just am not really a believer in their offense or their defense. Defensively, they are towards the upper half of the Big Ten. I think they're right in between Northwestern and Maryland, which is not great, to be honest. So. Uh, Yeah, I I don't really think that this is going to be much of a challenge for Michigan, regardless of who's coaching. Are there any players on their offense that we should be watching out for? I know you mentioned Tua's little brother, Taulia, um, having a down year, but a historically good quarterback at Maryland. Definitely like one of their better players to ever come through the program statistically. Yeah, it's a player where you can't just look at his box score because you look at his box score, you see 65% completion percentage, pretty good, 22 touchdowns, eight picks. It's like, okay, that seems good. But his biggest problem is a lot's thrust on his plate because number one, they're throwing the ball 38 times a game. That's way too many. They, They don't have the balance there. And he is still doing what he's been doing for the last two years, which is he's throwing interceptions at the worst times of games. So it's like in a one-score game, a two-score game, they need to score, throws a pick. Same thing happened to Michigan last year. Same thing happened to them this year uh, against Ohio State, where a game they were in like for a half. I mean, they played Ohio State tough, and I think that was kind of their swinging doors moment of the season. It was like, can they get here? Can they beat him? Can they pull the upset? No, they, they couldn't even cover the spread. Like, it was just too much. They got overwhelmed, and from there, it's kind of been spiraling. On the offense, they they do some cool things at receiver, but I really like their running backs a lot. Like, I don't think – I think they're going to be neutralized because of their offensive line, but Roman Hemby is a really good running back. Uh, Antoine Littleton is a load, just a massive, big-body type of back. So those are probably my two favorite players, despite just the limitations they have up front. Yeah, and Colby McDonald averaging the most per carry of that group, averaging six and a half yards per carry. Um, granted, on fewer attempts, yeah. Littleton and Hemby are going to get the bulk of that. Um, Talia Tugavailoa also as a runner, uh, effective, but he's taken 21 sacks this season for minus 150 yards. Goes to speak to the the downgrading that's happened on that offensive line and hasn't really picked up throughout the season. So uh, what about defensively? Who are you looking at? Who do you got your eyes on? on this Maryland defense. So defensively, a guy to know is Kellen Wyatt. He's a team leader in tackles for loss and sacks. So he's a linebacker. So they like to do some things with movement, move them around, create some mismatches. And this game, I, I love where it falls on the schedule because I think it's per- it's a perfect warm-up for Ohio State because they're going to use some linebackers. They're going to try to blitz from the right side, overwhelm the, the Barnhart side, see if there's really a deficiency there or if that was just a one-off on the road in Happy Valley. So I think, one, that's going to be tested. 
And two, just to go back to the offense really quick, you're going to face that heavy passing attack. And that's going to get you ready for Kyle McCord, Marvin Harrison Jr., and a better passing attack next week at Ohio State. But defensively, yeah, expect him to use movement, try to create some mismatches, overwhelm the right side of the offensive line, blitz J.J. from his throwing side, and force him to roll the wrong direction and just kind of create some havoc and turnovers. Yeah, I agree. Good call out on the pass rusher. Also, Tarheeb still defensive back, currently sitting with five interceptions on the season. So he's found a way to get his hands on the ball quite a bit. Um, we'll see if JJ comes out throwing a little bit more on this one. My guess was going to be is you're going to see a slightly more balanced attack <laughs> against Maryland than you saw at Penn State. You know, we've got a week to really wrap our heads around the game plan and how we want to attack this Maryland defense. And I think that it will be a more balanced attack. But couple playmakers on their defense. Uh, any other big picture thoughts, sir? And then we'll get into players of the game and predictions. Yeah, this team has lost six fumbles this year as well. So I think turnovers can be a big thing and can kind of get this game to just be more lopsided than it could be after a quarter. So maybe it's close. Maryland's fired up. It's senior day. You talked about Tua's little brother has been one of the most pivotal Maryland football players in recent history with his career. So it's like, Maybe it's a big game. They, he talked about before the season, like, Michigan game has really stuck with me. I guess it didn't stick with them against Northwestern. But we'll see if he has one thing left in the pocket here. Maybe to try to pull the upset, spoil the season for Michigan. So, again, look for them to empty empty everything in this one. They're going to throw trick plays, do this and that. Josh Gaddis, revenge game, quote-unquote. <laughs> so, just a lot of things they're going to try to do early in this one, so perhaps before it stabilizes. Well, look, this is win number 1000 exactly. on the table for Michigan. So, I mean, Josh Gaddis would absolutely love to spoil that, I'm sure. And hopefully, I mean, fingers crossed, Jim Harbaugh should be on the sideline for win number 1000. If oh. there is any sense of cosmic justice, he will be because he belongs there for this. And I want him to be able to celebrate with his guys. I want that win to be attached to Jim Harbaugh. We'll know. If, even if it's Sharon Moore, it will always be a Jim Harbaugh era win to us, but yeah. that is not how it will go down in the book. So really hope the judge does the right thing on Friday and Harbaugh can be there because I think this is going to be win number 1000, barring just some absolute chaos and Talia playing out of his mind. So that being said, sir, who are your players to watch, players of the game, and your score prediction? Players to watch uh, offensively, Carson Barnhart. Let's see the right tackle spot, get shirt up, get some confidence moving. Let's see if that was just a one-off. I've like, never seen a deficiency like that before. So maybe it was a tell, maybe it was the crowd noise, maybe it was snap count. I don't know what it was, but I'd love to see it cleaned up on the road before the biggest game of the season. Uh, defensively, got to watch Will Johnson. Let's keep it moving. Let's just, I want to see him just keep, keep, I mean, he hit his stride the last couple of weeks. I want to see it just keep building up all that momentum leading into Marvin Harrison Jr. Because it's like he has a, I don't want to say a, a, a shaky game against two of his little brother. Not going to feel great about that matchup the following week. So that's a guy to keep an eye on. Man of the match, offensively, Roman Wilson. Let's see a big mm -hmm. one. Let's see him get fed again. I think there's going to be a concerted effort to get him the ball after last week's lack of targets, lack of involvement. So I think it's going to be a, a guy to watch. You could easily go with JJ here, but for Maryland, let's, let's keep it different. Go Roman Wilson there defensively. Let's go Derek Moore. I think it's Ooh. going to be somebody in the front. They're going to abuse this 
offensive line. Last week against Penn State, I went back and rewatched it, and I just focused on the line. One, go back and just watch Penn State's right guard every play. He is holding and hugging and tugging. I love good offensive line play, but like on the Drew Aller rushing touchdown late in the first half, watch what he does to Mason Graham. Just watch. And it's it's ridiculous. So that's another guy to keep an eye on to have a big bounce back one. But Derek Moore in that game had a play where he confu- confused fashion now and had a free rush at Aller that forced him to get rid of the ball prematurely. I think we could see a big Derek Moore one in this one. Just a couple sacks, maybe a TFL. So that's a name to watch. Score prediction. I think Michigan handles it pretty, pretty clearly. But I will say something bold, just because, you know, why not be bold? For the second straight year. Maryland scores more points against Michigan than Ohio State. Ooh, okay. So what's the prediction then? Final score of this one's going to be Michigan 45, Maryland 16. Oh, I can't wait for your Ohio State prediction. <laughs> Under 16 for Ohio State. They I scored 23 with C.J. Stroud at home. I, I look, man, I, we are going to talk long and hard about that game next week, but uh, that's a, that's a podcast for another time. That's adjusting the britches right there. I mean, I'm already adjusting the britches, brother. <laughs> uh, that's great stuff by you there. Like a lot of what you said, um, Barnhart, 100%. That was going to be my guy to watch. Um, so I'll mix it up there and go players to watch. Let's go with, hmm, how about AJ Barner? Let's go AJ Barner. I was feeling a tight end game. Uh, Might even still go with Loveland as my player of the game. We'll see. Uh, That's a problem for future me. But Barner as a blocker has just gone leaps and bounds above what I was expecting from him this year. Couple that with the fact that he's a more than reliable pass catching option. I think that he's just an incredible player that's going to start showing up on NFL radars and he's getting better as the season goes along. So betting on the progression there on defense. Let's stick with my guy. Let's go with Braden McGregor, another guy that's running out of opportunities to put tape out there for NFL scouts. Um, his final, well, no, I guess it wouldn't be his final away game because we got a Big Ten championship and some bowl games coming up. Hey. But Braden McGregor, just senior, been with this team, played a lot of snaps there. I, I want to see what he can do in this final stretch run. I'm pre- definitely going to predict a big game from him against Ohio State, but I think it starts this week against Maryland. For a lot of the things that you said against Derek Moore, I think that our edges are starting to come into form, and Braden McGregor can really, really set the edge and, and can do more than that, I think. Maybe a couple batted down balls in this one. My players of the game – yeah, let's not get too crazy here. Let's go with JJ. Um, was going to go with one of the receiving threats, but you you stole that from me. Going Roman Wilson. Uh, Colston Loveland was another guy that I thought about here, but let's stick with JJ. The Heisman window is not closed. It all right. is all but closed. It, it is just a peep sliver of light coming through. So if he wants to exploit that, the Maryland game's a great place to start, and then you follow that up with a great Ohio State game, and you're right back in the conversation. So let's go JJ there. And on defense, let's not get cute. It's Mason Graham. Um, You could also go Kenneth Grant here after the freak show performance last week, but I think it's going to be somebody up front. I think Mason Graham's been the best player. Uh, Your prediction, 45-16. I love it. I think Michigan, I'm going to, 
I'm going to go with the prediction that Harbaugh does not play, which breaks my heart to do. Don't even like it uh, or does not coach. Excuse me. So I'm going to go 38, 13 Michigan, pretty much the exact same score that I predicted for Penn state. I think that's what we will rattle off against Maryland, but see it similarly to you. I just, they're outclassed. I don't think they're going to be able to get much going on offense and that will be their detriment. Meanwhile, Michigan, not a bounce back game, but a bounce back game for their passing attack, which I think will have a good day. It's, I love that. It's again, it's a great tune up game against a team that's just good enough that you have to take them seriously. Like it's not like Purdue or somebody like that. That's just at the bottom of the big 10. Like this is a a middle tier team. That's just dangerous enough to ruin your day. And I think that's what keeps them focused, keeps them locked in. You didn't come this far just to come this far. That's one of the biggest things here. It's like, got to take care of business. You damn well know you can win this game without throwing a forward pass. So I think that's hurting as well. And a lot of people have still been, I've been seeing the pushback for that. And like, you've heard all the basic explanations of, you know, establish your dominance, do this. I think one thing people need to keep in mind is that Michigan's rushing attack is so refined that if one player makes a mistake, it could be a touchdown. So you're kind of betting on your fundamentals and your discipline against an opponent. So if one guy's out of place, it's a touchdown. And we saw that with chop Robinson. So when Michigan feels confident running the ball like that, and they're clipping them off at five yards of carry and getting diverse and one guy messes up shows over. So I love to see the dominance. I think we're going to see it again here. Although the passing attack will get back on track against the Terrapins. They don't even have to mess up. You get one-on-one on the outside with Blake Corum or Donovan Edwards, and it's you versus them. Like, they got a lot of ways they can make you miss. They got a lot of ways they can run through you. There's yep. a lot that they can do. So even when you play it perfectly, it does not mean you're going to stop this Michigan rushing offense. So yeah, having that in your back pocket, knowing worst case scenario, we'll just run the ball 47 times. That's a nice, <laughs> nice little arrow to have in the quiver. Get the mammoth personnel out there. Maybe a sleeper thing to watch in this game is do they go out with mammoth at the goal line and throw a touchdown pass to Trent a. Jones just to give Ohio state something else to think about? Just Ooh. something out there. You save that for Ohio State. Well, it's like I don't know if Trent a can catch. So I, <laughs> no idea. Test it against Maryland, maybe just to give him something to think about. You. See what you can do there. But no, man, this should be win number one thousand. No team has done this in the NFL and college football. Something to celebrate. This is a big one, and I hope we have hardball for it. Same here, brother. Same here. We're working on a couple different interviews to hopefully come on and celebrate, commemorate the occasion of win number 1000. And God, next time we talk, brother, it's going to be for Ohio State week. So begin adjusting the britches. Maybe uh, if you need to order some new britches, go ahead and get on Amazon now so that they're here with ample time. Anything else from you, brother, before we close this one out? No, man, we're on the precipice of it. I mean, Ohio State's next week. We're going to be in Ann Arbor for this game. So if you are around, reach out, let us know. Let's get together, grab a beer, adjust the britches together and get it done. It's uh, it's not gay. It's just two men celebrating their strength, just adjusting (laughs) britches together. It's fine. All right, brother, that's going to do it. Please make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever. Leave us a five-star review if you haven't already. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue. Threats to our nation waiting around every corner. Adaptability is more important than ever. 
When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.